It's time for Growing Your Collaborative Practice, the marketing podcast for collaborative professionals. In Joran Jenkins' 40-year-plus career, she's published nine books, taught multiple law subjects at Stetson University College of Law, and established her own collaborative family law practice. Joran began her 40-year-plus career as a trial lawyer. Then she discovered a kinder, gentler alternative to courtroom divorce. She soon realized that too many dedicated professionals, while being great advocates for their clients, were not advocating for themselves and were therefore not reaching new clients or their full potentials. This podcast will explore Jorn's five fortes of marketing and will feature conversations with other professionals about what works in their practices. Together, we can change the way the world gets divorced. Here's your host, author, professor, and collaborative attorney, Jorn Jenkins, to teach you how she is changing the way the world gets divorced and how you can too. Today we'll be discussing appearing on camera and the unwelcome observer with special guests Madison Sasser and Austin Sasser. And with that, let's get started. So, so here's the thing. Appearing on camera has suddenly become so important to all of us. It never was. We never really worried much about it. And then COVID-19 came along and we were stuck at home. And pretty much the only way that we could communicate with people was by phone or, as Zoom has discovered, by Zoom and other uh, video conferencing apps. Uh, If you had the brains to invest in Zoom the day after COVID uh, hit the news, then you're probably extremely wealthy right now and probably don't need to be um, practicing law or mental health or anything else. But uh, many of us, I think, were not that attuned. I actually thought about it and uh, stupidly didn't do anything. So, But it has become increasingly important to understand that um, you've got to be comfortable in front of the camera. So I didn't really realize how important it had become to other people until my, um, my customers, the, the clients who hired me for coaching services, marketing coaching, started asking me, Jorn, how do you look so good on camera? And then the other thing was, of course, I noticed that uh, especially when people were not lit well enough so that they looked dark, um, if they were not framed well enough so that uh, they, you know, you couldn't see any of their body language. So, so we've had a lot of fun here um, with me going around the office, making sure that people had their monitors in the right place. It's so important to have your monitor um, at eye level. You don't want it too high. You don't want it looking down on you, but you also don't want it looking up your nose. I don't know how else to put that. <laughs> and quite frankly, that's why you'll remember this. Um, you know, we've got we've got so many little rules around here. Madison, what what was the oh, you just got the the ring light, right? I did, and I was so excited to find out that it had different like functions. So yeah. you could make it really bright, you can make it like a little duller, and then it had like a sunlight option. Yeah, which I quite like. I, mm-hmm. I don't even opt for either of the other two. And I always have it on well that's not true. I was gonna say I always had have it on full blast, but I really don't. Um, if I'm using it later in the evening, I'm likely to turn the light down just a little bit. But look look at how you appear, because you can see yourself, right? Look at how you appear and um, make sure that you look the way you want to look 
using your ring light. I can't tell you how many people I've suggested without actually being asked at this point. You know, you need to get a ring light. Um, Amazon has them. You can get yourself a 10-inch ring light for 30 bucks. Um, get one that comes on a tripod. Not that you'll have it on the floor necessarily, although it's nice having that option, but be able to put it on the table at the height you want it. Now, the thing you'll notice about the lighting, if you're wearing glasses, you need to be aware of um, the, the glasses, the ring light being reflected in the eyes of whoever is looking at you on camera. So you'll want to keep your nose tipped down just a tiny bit, but you can see yourself. So just be sensitive to, you don't want to really be have it showing people the ring light in your glasses. Um, there's actually more to the lighting thing. Keep in mind, you don't want to have a bright window behind you. If you do, you need to either um, green screen yourself or draw the drapes or something to um, you know, make sure that it's not making you invisible because the light is so bright. So there's, um, there's a lot more to this appearing on camera than one might at first uh, suspect. Um, I have other, what happened was I had one gal in particular who asked me, it was like the fourth time someone had asked me, and I just said, look, I'm going to send you an email. And I started writing down my tips. Well, I ended up with so much stuff that I turned it into a blog. So you can actually find some of these um, URLs that you need to go to uh, on my blog, appearing on camera uh, at jorenjenkins.com. But in the meantime, we'll just talk about the overall you know, how do you enhance your appearance? Oh, which reminds me, you can enhance your appearance. Zoom has this thing called Touch Up My Appearance. Um, it's a facial enhancement feature that will, I swear, will take 10 years off your face. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. Nobody likes looking old. Um, so just be forewarned. You'll see videos of me. I don't look that good. Not in real life. I look like that. I do. I don't fool around and make myself look like a movie star. But enhance your appearance. We'll just smooth out some of the age lines and make it look a lot better. And I think there are other things. Oh, we talked about Snapchat we uh, did. on another podcast. Yeah. So just be aware that Zoom has that setting. Of course, the one thing that I love about Zoom is the mirror my video. Oh, that's the, Austin, yeah. you're so funny. It is a you horizontal are. orientation flip, which yeah. allows you to see what you would see if you were looking in a mirror. I was watching something. Oh, Doctor Who last night. This is so <laughs> funny. Doctor Who last night. There was an episode from uh, 2017. This is the last year of the old male doctor. And his newest assistant his newest companion is looking in a puddle and she sees her reflection and there's something wrong with the reflection and she can't figure out what it is and it's that it's actually her face in real life it's not the mirror image we are used to seeing our funny looking eyebrow on the left side of our face when in fact it's on the right side of the face mm -hmm. and everyone else sees it that way so the other thing I did, this is so funny, last night my husband and I watched Harry Potter and he made the comment, you know those twins aren't real twins. And I'm like, the Weasley twins? What are you talking about? Of course they're real twins. They're identical. So we went online and I was right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. 
I was looking at their faces and they're not identical. One has one eye that is slanted up and the other has the opposite eye that's slanted up. And I wonder if one is right-handed and one is left-handed. But that's the thing. We, we're used to looking at the mirror image of our face. Austin did not like that. It just looked weird to him. So he chooses to change that setting. So if it bothers you, by all means, change the setting. You know, it's it's fine. That's a funny thing. I'm glad you raised that because mm. there are people out there who don't know what's wrong, but that's what's wrong. And it will make you feel uncomfortable while you're right. appearing on camera, and that's the last thing that you're that you're going to want. Right. The most important thing is to feel comfortable that you look as good as you possibly can, so that you're really in the moment when you're when you're talking to potential clients, when you're um, uh, at a Zoom meeting. Um, when you're interacting with other professionals. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I talked about the glasses thing. Framing. I was going to say that if I think if you're going to talk about settings, you should be careful of the backgrounds. because. Oh, good point. Because there was one video that we were watching someone present, and the background, like, you couldn't see his neck, and he was going in and out of the <laughs> background. <laughs> yeah, his neck would show up, and then it would go away again. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it, was it was so distracting. It was like watching the Headless Horseman. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so be careful about your backgrounds. There are people out there, and I'm not going to name names, who use the um, active beach setting as their background, and I think that's quite lovely for personal um, contacts with people. I don't even use my um, my virtual background when I'm doing Pilates on because she needs to see me and she can't lose any of me, you know my mm-hmm. instructor. Um, but uh, so I don't use virtual backgrounds on some of my private calls. But certainly on your professional calls, be careful about the background. You you know um, you may not be aware of this. I had. A photographer come to my studio and take a picture of my my desk the way it looks and so if you see me during a professional meeting you're actually seeing me at my desk even though I'm not at my desk um, because I use that photo as my personal virtual background and you have the option of uploading your personal photo to zoom and I'm sure to the other apps and so I highly recommend that uh, for for professional work for your collaborative work you use um, a photo of your actual real environment not the one that you're in in any given day or moment but your office uh, if you like it I think if you're using a background though you have to be careful not to talk with your hands too much because I remember I was like waving my hands and I'm like I have no hands yeah well I do believe in body language, and I've, you know, I've mm-hmm. often presented on body language, and we'll probably do uh, an entire podcast on body language because it's very critical. But um, I think one of the things that you have to remember when you're on Zoom or any, you know, video conferencing app, your nonverbal cues still speak the loudest. Uh, you know, I tell people in my my webinars, 55% of uh, communication is body language, 38% is the tone of voice, which you keep on camera, and 7% is the words that are spoken, the actual words that you speak. So how do we replace that 55% of communication that's body language? Um, you know, you part of this is about framing. So I always tell people, ensure that you're visible down to about your mid-chest. People sometimes sit too close to the camera. 
sometimes they're too far away, and so then you become that floating head that Madison <laughs> talked about. You don't want to give yourself too much headroom, so don't have your head down in the middle of the screen. You know, have your head near the top of the screen. So it's more um, about, it's more above center and your eyes are more in the middle of the screen. Um, that way we can still see some of your body language. So I think Madison, if you play with the camera a little bit and, and test that, I would not gesture too close to the camera or too far back from the camera. But if you have your hands basically around your midsection, you should be pretty safe with your gestures. And I really um, coach people to use their hands even more than they normally, you know, you may not be Italian. The Italians are known for using their hands, but um, I think that you need to use your hands and your facial expressions more so than in real life. The really important thing to remember about body language and facial um, expression on Zoom is that that's the only way that people are seeing you. And so when you're marketing yourself to other professionals, to your clients, to potential clients, you need to make sure that those aspects, your, how you're appearing, it's, it's so crucial to, to making that sale, to uh, retaining that client, and to having a successful so here's, meeting. Here's the thing, you know, people, um, people who are doing divorce work don't smile enough, I don't think. Yes, divorce is a sad thing. Yes, um, quite often, you know, maybe 50% of the time, we're representing folks who didn't want the divorce in the first place, who haven't decided, haven't agreed that there is should be a divorce. But smiles are also about encouragement. They're not just about, I'm happy and you're not happy. That's not what we're saying here. Smiles are... Um, you know, genuine smiles, and, and that's important too. You have to be genuine. On camera, it's easier to tell if a, if a smile is fake. I truly believe that. So you have to be genuine, and you're okay to smile. Don't be afraid to smile to potential clients, to people you're doing consults with. Um, don't be afraid to smile even if you're talking about sad things. You'll, you'll realize after you do it a few times that it will work for you. Um, head movements are also crucial clues, right? So um, at least in the United States, you convey assent with a nod and refusal with a head shake. But a fast nod might mean understanding but impatience, while a slow nod might mean you're really interested and you're encouraging the speaker to talk some more. So, you know, what does a head tilt say? What does, um, what are your eyes and your mouth doing at the same time? What, you know, these, all of these expressions from the upper body convey uh, messages. So be expressive, don't be afraid to be expressive. Faces a lot, so don't be afraid to use it. And as I said, I do use my hands because gestures, even if they can't see your hands, they can see your shoulders movement, you know, your shoulder movements, the upper torso. And so they can probably read the gestures, even if the hands themselves aren't being seen. I think they need to be careful, though, especially on group calls, if they're making eye movements. Because like in person, sometimes we'll look at each other and we'll roll our eyes. Or we'll be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it's important. Madison is making faces at me. <laughs> That's exactly right. And even in some of my Zoom classes, I find myself holding back because 
you know, you hear something that you don't agree with and your instant oh, reaction yeah. is oh, yeah. to make a face. And then you have to remember, oh, wait, there's 28 people looking at my face mm -hmm. at any given moment. And you also want to alert your clients to this because, uh, you know, we went to a, a judges conference recently and the judges were talking about one of the pluses to a Zoom conference. And now we're starting to get over into the, right. you know, the, the actual uh, joint meetings. But um, one of the pluses to a Zoom conference is the judges can actually watch more than one face at a time in the room, in chambers, in court. They're pretty much focused on whoever's speaking. But now they're starting to notice things that they that the camera allows them to notice by you know putting six faces on a screen all at the same time. So keep that in mind in your Zoom conferences too. You can see people a lot better. You want to be careful. You want your clients to be careful. Remember, in collaborative uh, conferencing, one of the things we want to do is not um, not convey nastiness. Um, I had a, a Zoom conference recently. It was a full team meeting, and the husband was pointing his finger at my client. Well, we all know in a full team meeting, somebody would have stopped that pretty quick in a very nice way. But on Zoom, it was virtually impossible, and you know he was doing it for the unbelievable amount of time you know which was probably only 60 seconds but think about that 60 he was doing it and doing it so be very careful about um, making sure your clients understand that their faces convey a lot of emotion and you don't want to roll your eyes that's not mm -hmm. helpful that conveys an uh, you know an expression that is not collaborative um, so yeah, there's a Madison. You're absolutely right about that. Got to be careful. So since we brought up um, process consults and appearing on full team meetings in the collaborative uh, process, tell us a little bit, or let's speak a little bit about how Zoom plays a role in collaborative practice. Yeah, it's um, it's been uh, a learning experience. Um, I truly believe bottom line in-person full team meetings are better. I, um, I never thought that I was a touchy feely guy. I never thought that was me until I started doing collaborative work and I found myself communicating with my clients through gestures and touch. Um, I can calm my clients down simply by touching their leg. It's a, it's a unwritten, um, agreement that if I'm touching them like that in such a way that they need to take a breath. Um, a lot of times, and I just wrote a blog about this, making decisions, you know, we're so, we, we, it's not being raised, it's the way we were, you know, grown over the centuries, over the eons. We, human beings are reactive. We tend not to be proactive. We tend to react because if we take a minute to decide whether the T-Rex is hungry, then we're done and we never have children. And so, you know, our stupidity doesn't get passed on. Um, you don't think about a lot of things. You react first. But in our divorce work, you know, we really need our clients thinking things through. We don't want them overthinking. And I make that point in the blog, which you'll find at jordanjenkins.com sometime soon. But, um, but we do want them thinking things through. So take that breath um, when you're on Zoom. Always take that breath before you, before you 
launch into an attack, uh, you know, not, I shouldn't say an attack, because you would never attack on a Zoom meeting, but, well, unless you're the spouse. But, but yeah. Um, yeah, so Zoom has been a huge learning experience. I think there are some pluses. You know, you've got the, all those faces right there. Um, and thank God for Zoom, because we would all be stalled out for temporarily, at least. Right. But it's this turning, this temporary thing has turned into, well, it's now six months. So, and I mean, during COVID, we certainly saw a huge shift um, that the court system did with Zoom. Now we're having final, you know, uncontested hearings, hearings, yeah, um, which is perfect because they're a five-minute hearing, and what's the need to go down to the courthouse and and, park and get up there and get through security? And Mm -hmm. yeah, it used to take two hours to do a five-minute hearing. Now it takes five minutes to do a a five-minute hearing. Since we're doing Zoom for the indefinite future until we know that COVID is resolved, right? Do you have any tips on how to conduct a process over Zoom? You know, I. I will say that I still meet with my clients in person. Um, We maintain the six-foot distance, but I have a desk that does that naturally. Um, There's a desk on both sides of my desk, so my client can sit opposite me, and we can have a meeting where um, we can do the full team meeting, and at least my client and I are in the same room, and we're maskless. Um, and, and she feels safe and I feel safe. Um, and I can still pass her notes. You know, we can still communicate to some degree. I'll swing my chair away from the camera and uh, maybe mute myself at the same time because sometimes in these full team meetings, you'll mute, your, mute, mute ugh, I can't say the word, you'll mute yourself um, uh, anyway. That's not unusual. So give that some thought. Other than that, I think it's critical as a a collaborative lawyer or a collaborative coach supporting individual clients that you still have that personal contact. I I don't think we can stand to lose it in the process. Do you think Zoom has negatively impacted any of your cases? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just one, actually. Um, We had a client who really needed a lot of support. She was transitioning from uh, male to female and going through her divorce at the same time. And the two kids needed her. Um, The circumstances were such that her spouse uh, could not support the family in the same way that she could. So there were huge demands on her. The, The hormonal demands, the Um, The mental demands, the emotional demands were so much, and I could not, um, I don't think I ever had a personal meeting with her. I never, in fact, I can say that, I never had an in-person meeting with her, and I think that that's uh, part of the reason why she felt that she wasn't getting the support from me. And this is why she, she actually switched to another collaborative professional, which, you know, thank goodness for that. Uh, but she didn't feel that she was getting the support from me that she wanted, even though I was the one who convinced her initially, her and her spouse, through a dual process consult. Over Zoom. Over Zoom to engage in the collaborative divorce process. I'm happy to say that, that, um, that she did finish the case with another collaborative lawyer, 
But, uh, you know, when I did my homework after the fact, yes, they actually met in person. I tried to set up a meeting with her in person, and the demands on her time seemed to be too difficult. Um, Maybe I should have tried harder. I thought I was trying hard enough. Maybe the other collaborative professional, who's a friend of mine, um, just tried harder, or her office was more convenient. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I do blame Zoom for that. That, that she didn't feel that she got the support from me that she needed. But one thing that we can take away from that is how useful Zoom has been for conducting consults and not only just consults, but dual process consults. Well, yeah, because um, people are, uh, number one, you have that fear of a, going to an attorney's office. Mm-hmm. Everybody. I mean, who the hell wants to go to see an attorney? I don't want to. Um, it's one reason why our office is very Tommy Bahama. It's very um, seashell and seascape um, art and Florida art, and we just we really believe in being um, relaxed. And the yeah. snacks. And the snacks are important. <laughs> and the drinks. I mean, the first thing we do with the client is walk them through the office, show them where the lavatories are, show them where the snacks are, the refrigerator, help yourself, right? Don't eat the dog treats because those are for dogs, not for people. <laughs> I have um, this saying at divorce firms, we love your dogs. You can leave the kids at home, but we love the dogs. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> How many dogs have we had come visit? I can't remember. We haven't had cats. They I think I, it's funny because I have a Chinese crested powder puff, and I was, don't ask me why, I was looking at a rescue site this weekend, um, on, actually on behalf of my niece, and one of the little-known facts about China, I knew this about my dogs, but my, the three that I've had, but one of the little-known facts about Chinese cresteds is they are great with cats. They often have cats as friends. Um, and I think one reason for that is they have some cat-like qualities. You'll see my dog sitting there cleaning her paws, just like a cat does. Paw is held up exactly the same way a cat does it. And I don't think I've seen many dogs doing that. So, yeah, we have, um, we have a very dog-friendly office. Again, my dog is a support dog. She is a medic alert dog because I have type 1 diabetes from my own divorce. <laughs> That's another story. But, um, but she has been known to sit in uh, a client's lap for an hour or two at a time when the client was in severe stress. And I, it finally hit me that she had realized how stressed the client was, and she had decided to do something about it and begged to get up and ended up in, in that truck driver's lap for an hour <laughs> and a half. And Yeah, yeah. So, so the office is very relaxed for that reason. So something that we've discovered through COVID and through the experiences that have resulted uh, from it is that people really don't want to come into the office. or So understanding that people usually don't want to come see a lawyer, even though my office is so relaxed, uh, I think um, especially they don't want to come see a lawyer if they're the other spouse. So imagine your spouse has come to you and said, I really think we need to get divorced. I've talked to this lawyer. She's willing to talk to both of us. Still, getting that spouse to come to the office is a lot harder than scheduling a Zoom consult. And by the way, if the two clients aren't living together, um, which sometimes, you know, I wouldn't say 50% of the time, but maybe 
maybe 20% of the time, they're already not living together. So getting them together to come to the office can be difficult. Um, I certainly have had occasions where one of them drove the other to my office, which was lovely, um, but they were getting along. Um, but it's so much easier to get them to Zoom conference together. So they both, it's, what's important is getting them together uh, because they want to hear each other's questions. They want to hear the same information. You know that you've said something to both of them and they can't really, I mean, one can mi misremember things still. It happens, but it's much less likely. Right. So that's a big plus. And you can go ahead and listen to our dual process podcast, uh, which we'll be posting. Uh, yep, 50 here. minutes of um, a full-scale description of how you do that dual process consult and how you actually get clients to sign up for collaborative or, you know, whatever courtless process will work best for their unique family. Right. Yeah. And here's how you market, you know, the, uh, the dual process consult on Zoom is – one spouse can be at work and jump on the computer during right. their break. Right. Uh, the other can come into the office, perhaps. Maybe we set up the computer. It allows you to be so flexible. Well, and we found that we can do these process consults by using the posters yep. in half an hour. Yep. So it really isn't, uh, you know, you're taking half an hour out of your work day, but you probably have a half hour in there for lunch or something like that. And I'm happy to do that. And, and the consults know that we are happy to do that. And you should be too. By the way, don't forget, Zoom, you share your screen. So if you have a poster, you can put it up there on the screen and I walk them through that. And then I send them a copy of the poster so they can go back and talk about it between themselves. The poster helps remind them of what I said. And again, it helps them uh, not misremember information that they've gotten. So I've got the dual, I've got the, um, the process consult poster and then the poster that goes with it is the costs poster. So each of the processes is, um, and is a, uh, the comparative costs are there and they can talk about that too. Speaking about marketing with Zoom, in a pandemic or just in general, how do we market this process over Zoom, the collaborative process? What's the benefits of having that process take place over Zoom? Well, you know, the, what you need to do is train your staff to explain to people, we can do this by phone, and some people prefer to do it by phone. They don't want to appear on Zoom. They have a thing about, you know, they don't want their face on TV, and we get that. Um, I have uh, been able to um, sell the idea of collaborative to both clients by telephone, strangely. Um, I remember particularly I did a phone call from the house and um, the man did not want to attend. The wife was talking to me several times before the actual phone call explaining this to me. So I was a little bit nervous. I was anxious. Um, interestingly, he was very quiet. He hardly asked any questions. The wife managed the phone call other than me, you know, doing my natural process consult, which by the way, was a little more difficult without my poster uh, to show him what I was talking about. At the end of the call, the man said to me, Joran, I want you to know how much we appreciate your time. This has been very, very helpful to me. 
Um, thank you so very much. And I hung up the phone after finishing with him. And I was just, I have to say, if you can't tell from my tone of voice, I was floored. I was so taken aback by his graciousness and his gratitude that, you know, I had been hearing zilch from him during this whole phone call. At one point during the phone call, I, I asked if he was still there. And he said yes. And then, and then I followed up with, um, do you have any questions or should I keep going? And he said, go on. Um, so I, I was really, and I felt I was encountering resistance. So phone call can be difficult. But then you got that, that huge gratitude thing at the end. And did they sign up? You know they did. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a shock. So there you go. I think another way to sell collaborative divorce during a pandemic is to remind people that the courts are stalled. Because I know I talked to mediation and diversion services, and they're all being referred there. Yeah. And they're so overbooked right now, you can't even get them on the phone. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Mm-hmm. And, and we use Zoom for mediation. We do. I mean, we, you can really use this tool. Now, with its limitations, of course, you have to realize, but you can use this tool in every aspect of your practice. Yeah, it's funny because um, I am I'm technologically challenged. Not, not to most people. Most people think I'm pretty, you know, but I happen to know I'm technologically. Here's how technologically challenged I am. The guy was at our house the other day, and he'd set up a new amplifier for our stereo system. My husband just loves, you know, he's all about the music and the television and the this and the that. And um, the guy says to me, so um, I fixed your family sharing with music, which I really wanted. I do listen to my music every every now and again. And he said to me, Joran, um, I'm going to show you how to use this system there was something that he wanted to show me. And I said to him, no, I don't need to clutter my brain with that information. My husband is in charge of the, um, what are those things called? The clickers? The remotes. Yes, see, <laughs> see, my husband's in charge of all of the remotes. I don't care. I couldn't t- turn the TV off the other night. My husband went to bed early. He showed me how to turn it off, but he forgot to give me the code for his phone. He now has it on the phone. Well, guess what? I now have it on my phone because I couldn't turn the TV off. I had to wake him up. Um, so I am somewhat technologically challenged. That said, the things that I have to know, I find out and I do know. So I've got two 21-year-old interns working for me, and if I can't figure it out, they will figure it out and they will teach it to me. You go where you need to go. Zoom has the ability to set up breakout rooms and if and Zoom has the ability to memorize a certain setup. So my Zoom account has our full team meetings memorized. There's a breakout room for wife and her, her lawyer. There's a breakout room for spouse number two and her or his lawyer. There's um, a breakout room for the professionals. Um, you know, we, we set it up that way. And now every time we schedule a full team meeting, that's the setup that we use. So we don't have to do it every time. Um, learning to use the breakouts, not that hard. If you're the host of the meeting, it's really pretty simple. Um, and so, you know, you just need to know to go looking for things. If you think there's something missing, go ask Google or Safari where you can find that. And um, it's highly likely that YouTube can teach you how to use it. And when you're on YouTube, check out our Facilitate Your Collaborative Full Team Meeting video. Yeah. Where yeah. I personally walk you through how to set up the Zoom, the breakout rooms, how to assign, you know, certain 
people to yep. certain rooms. Yep. It's very intuitive. So and I it's short. Yeah, I think it's only like eight or ten minutes. You did a really nice job with that. I forgot about that. You've reached the end of another episode of Growing Your Collaborative Practice. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Jorn Jenkins. And check out the Changing the Way the World Gets Divorced Marketing Your Collaborative Practice Toolkit along with her many posters and books at jornjenkins.com. If you love growing your collaborative practice, we'd love for you to follow and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Until next time, see you on the next episode of Growing Your Collaborative Practice.